The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, as I mentioned, this style of practice that I'm offering today is, is kind of, it kind of flips around the usual meditation practices. Often in, in meditation practice, we um, do something special with our bodies, and we will be doing a sitting practice here um, in order to support um, uh, cultivating mindfulness in the sitting posture, but at, at, but the emphasis actually in this style of practice is to learn a way to be mindful that can be carried into all of your activities, so that it's not there's not something special that you have to do in your daily activities in order to be mindful. We may get a little bit of a habit in the walking meditation. It's like, well, I, I can be mindful if I'm walking slowly, lifting, moving, placing. But when I start to walk at a normal speed, it's like I'm not doing the thing that helps me be mindful. And so uh, it gets a little harder. And so the, the style of practice that I'm, I'm offering today was uh, offered by my teacher, Sayadaw Utejaniya who um, kind of has the approach, you know, how can we be mindful while eating? How can we be mindful while walking? How can we be mindful while talking, while driving, while sitting? And so the, the, uh, the instructions for the practice are the same whether we're doing the sitting practice or whether we're driving or eating or shopping in the grocery store. So the, uh, the instructions that I'm offering today have a slightly different flavor than you may have experienced here at IMC before. So the purpose of our practice is to, uh, that we're, what we're doing here is to cultivate the awareness, to cultivate the ability to be aware, to, be, to know what's happening in our bodies, to know what's happening in our minds, so that we can um, start to learn, and this is really the, the kind of the key that the, uh, the Buddha pointed to, is that the ways that we struggle in our lives, the ways that we um, get frustrated, angry, confused, the ways that our culture is divided, the ways that there's um, anger and hatred and hostility in, in the world and internally, just in our own experience, when we're experiencing some kind of irritation or frustration or anger, the, uh, the, the root of that is found in uh, in our um, in our uh, minds. Whether we're acting with anger or we're seeing some somebody act with anger, the the response to the world is rooted in our mind. There's things happening in the world that are painful, that are um, unethical, and there is uh, our relationship to that. And in our relationship to that, there is often confusion, hostility, greed. Um, there's the, these, the three roots of uh, what the Buddha pointed to, the three roots of our struggles are greed, aversion, and delusion. And that um, 
there, while there are things happening in the world that are very painful and our relationship to those is also painful, what we are working on here, what we're looking at here is how to potentially shift our relationship to what is happening from one of aversion, hostility, greed, or confusion, or delusion, to uh, wisdom, which will allow us then to respond with care, with compassion, with kindness, rather than with reactivity. And so this ability to respond, not from our habitual approach of, well, that's happening, and this is, you know, this is kind of... uh, escalating a reaction in me, there is a little bit of space in our minds to be able to notice that, to be able to notice, oh, this is, this is how this mind is responding or reacting to the world. And a little bit of space to be aware of that and see how is that happening in our own minds. And so the, the work that we're doing now, I actually feel it's, it's some of the most crucial work that we can do for our culture for our society right now, this inner work of noticing how are we contributing to the divisiveness, to the reactivity, and the, the learning ways in which to um, be more responsive with kindness and compassion and care instead of reactive with anger, delusion, and confusion. And so the, the work that we're doing here is really the inner work to begin to recognize the, the habits, the patterns of mind that flip us into that reactivity. And this is, nor- this is, this is normal. It's human that we have this, these patterns of mind. It's, um, you know, very, uh, um, it's very, uh, in an evolutionary perspective, it's very natural for when there's something pleasant to like it, to want it, to want to hold on to it, to have kind of greed for it. If there's something unpleasant, to want to push it away, to fix it, to change it, to get rid of it. And the whole pattern underlying of the feeling that, that that's what we have to do in order to be happy. That in order to feel uh, okay about what's going on, we have to get what we want, get rid of what we don't want. And so this, this whole um, pattern is, uh, is human in many ways. It's, it's very evolutionary uh, that it's, it's natural. Even single-celled creatures will move towards nourishment and away from um, noxious chemicals. And yet there's so much of how we respond in the world that while it is a natural human response to want to get what we want and get rid of what we don't want, uh, the ways in which our culture, the ways in which our society picks that up and uh, has created systems around that um, has created so much suffering in the world. And there's um, um, the ability with the mindfulness practice to start to see um, that these relationships, the, the greed for the pleasant, the aversion to the unpleasant, that these do not, they're not hardwired in us. In a single-celled creature, they are hardwired. But in us, we actually have quite a bit of choice and agency to look at what's happening, to see the, the patterns and habits of greed, aversion, and delusion at work. 
and to choose something different, partly through uh, the choosing something different happens partly through the awareness of how those states of greed, aversion, and delusion actually affect us. Because when we start to see anger, for instance, in our direct experience, we know perhaps um, through how anger has landed on us that anger is painful to receive. Um, And yet we don't necessarily know that when we are angry, that it is also painful for us. It's that we, we, we know that it can put pain into the world, but we may not be quite, you know, cognizant of even that. You know, I remember at one point being very angry with uh, an ex-partner, <coughs> and this was early in my practice, and there were some aha moments around the seeing of this, that um, I saw that the anger towards him, that um, I felt like, there was something in the in the mind of that anger that wanted my partner to be miserable, you know, that wanted my partner to suffer. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, this is really going to make this person feel really bad that they did that thing to me, and that will be good because then I will feel better. And And yet when I began looking at, with the mindfulness, began looking at the experience of anger. And this is a big part of what we do. We turn towards our human experience. What is it like to be a human being? Feeling pain, feeling anger, feeling frustration, feeling irritation. Instead of kind of being focused outward on the thing that we're frustrated or irritated or angry or confused about, we turn towards the experience and we we learn something different. We learn how that affects this human being. And when uh, I began being mindful of the anger towards the other person, you know, towards my, my partner, I began seeing, wow, this is actually painful here. This experience here is painful. It hurts me first. And actually the Buddha uh, pointed out um, that anger is like picking up a hot coal to throw at somebody in order to hurt them. You're actually hurting yourself first. And so what we start to do with the mindfulness practice is get familiar with the ways that we're hurting ourselves first and also the ways in which these mind states, these activities that we habitually follow through on based on greed, aversion, and delusion, how much they uh, hurt us and the world. And then our mind begins to... Um, understand that this is not a direction, not a path, not a way towards well-being. And we are fortunate in a way that our system, our human system, does want to move in the direction of well-being. It wants to have ease and peace. But it has kind of, there's all kinds of processes in there that kind of get confused and fundamentally misunderstand where that well-being lies. And so the, uh, the process of, of being aware, of becoming aware of our human experience, which you could say that is really the, um, the aim for this practice that I'm offering today. How can we become aware of our human experience as human experience? Not, not to judge ourselves, not to um, 
to beat ourselves up about it, but to begin to learn because it is the learning of how it affects our human system that our human system begins to kind of navigate its way to a different relationship instead of a relationship of greed, aversion, and delusion, more of a relationship of compassion and wisdom. And so this begins to happen as we turn our attention to our experience. I started with quite a bit of framing this because often as we get into this, you know, it sounds so, you know, trivial in a way. Okay, well, can you notice what's happening in your body right now? Can you be aware of the, of the sensations of your feet on the ground? Can you be aware of your hands? Can you be aware of your breath? Can you be aware of your feelings? And often there will be the question, well, why are we doing this? You know, and that, uh, what I just spoke about earlier, that is the why. This practice of mindfulness with this curiosity about, oh, what is this human experience? This helps our system to learn in a new way. And it helps our system to... Uh, um, kind of find its way to, there's kind of a, there, that, that wisdom in our system that wants to take us towards well-being, it allows it to, giving it this, this kind of information of what is, it, what is this experience of, hu- of being human, allows it to uh, navigate its way with that direction towards well-being. So uh, I would say all mindfulness practices have this aim ultimately, and there's just different ways in to be becoming aware of what's happening in your experience. Uh, in this practice, um, in many, many mindfulness practices, we begin with some kind of an anchor for the attention, some kind of place to ground or land uh, in which to cultivate the mindfulness um, in this practice, we don't do that so much. And, and it's fine at times to kind of go back, especially if you have a practice uh, or a familiarity with being with the breath, for instance, or being with body sensations. At times it may be that that happens, that you, you move back in that direction. But the emphasis today will be more on can you recognize being aware and what that awareness is aware of. It's very simple in a way. This, this, um, this style of practice is simply supporting our capacity, a, a, a natural human capacity to be aware. And to be curious, that, that natural human capacity to be aware is not often directed to, and how does it feel to be a human being? Much more our capacity for awareness is often directed to, how can I get that thing that I want? How can I get rid of that thing that I don't like? And so, you know, the, this, this natural capacity to be aware of what's happening in the present moment while it's happening, which may be a very simple definition of mindfulness, that uh, capacity, what we're doing is trying to harness it towards this a curiosity about our inner experience, how it affects us, how it affects others. And so it is, uh, it is this curiosity um, that with this mindfulness that we are cultivating here. <clears throat> and so this practice is, we could call it a receptive 
kind of mindfulness. Instead of choosing something to pay attention to, instead of picking an object or an experience like the breath and saying, okay, I'm going to pay attention to the breath. I'm going to stay with the breath. Instead, um, we are uh, looking at, well, what is coming in? What is, is the mind already aware of? And so we're, we're looking at receiving experience. We're exploring opening to all experience, both physical and mental, and, ex- and exploring the curiosity about, well, what is this current human experience like? So I want to offer a few um, kind of tools to support being aware and having this curiosity. And the first tool is relaxation. Relaxing the body helps the mind to be a little more relaxed. And when the mind is more relaxed, very naturally in our uh, kind of human processes or our human systems, when the mind is more relaxed, it's more available for this very um, human and um, natural process of being aware of knowing what's happening in the present moment. And so relaxation helps us to tap into that <clears throat> natural capacity that our, our minds have to, to be aware in the present moment. And so at the beginning, we'll begin, and, and we'll do a guided meditation in a few minutes, we'll begin with kind of encouraging that relaxation. This is a support. So the, the first tool to support us in the day is relaxation. And for some, that word uh, relax can be um, a trigger word. And so if there's another word that works for you, instead, soften, find ease, find a place of um, openness. Um, You know, the words are important for us. And um, if, if the word relax kind of triggers a kind of a tightness, then it's not a useful word for you. And so I'll try to use a variety of words to support uh, an ease, a softening, a relaxation. Um, And so just relaxing the body, relaxing the mind, softening the body, softening the mind, finding ease in the body or mind. This is a place to begin so that the mind can uh, land in the present moment. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a condition, essentially. We're cultivating a condition that will support our mindfulness practice. And then as we do relax, as soften or open, find some ease, as we uh, find that kind of ease or relaxation, the mindfulness that we'll be cultivating here is just to simply know that you're aware. Are you aware right now? What? If you're, if you're listening to me, you are aware. And yet, sometimes it's not so easy to know how we know we're aware. And so don't do a lot of like trying to figure out how do I know that I'm aware? It's just like, okay, yeah, I know I'm aware. Not quite sure how I know that, but just, yeah, there's awareness here. This, this simple um, kind of check-in, am I aware, is the first pl- 
place where we begin to um, get familiar with this experience of mindfulness. Often in, in meditation practice, we, we, don't, we, we emphasize the being aware of something as a way in to uh, cultivating that awareness of what's happening in the present moment. Here, we're, we're looking at cultivating this awareness itself, like being aware of being aware as a way to, uh, to land, to be present. And so this question, am I aware? You don't have to try to answer the question, but just if you, if you ask the question, if you, uh, and we do use questions in this practice as a kind of a way to help us to connect. So asking that question, am I aware? Is there awareness? Even asking the question, if you're consciously asking the question, if it's not just kind of a rote thing in your mind, am I aware, am I aware, am I aware? But if you're consciously curious and asking that question, you are aware. And just take in that. Over time, what happens is the more we kind of check into that, in different conditions, different contexts, different ways, we begin to get a sense of what it is, of what that experience is. Are you aware? Is awareness here? Is there awareness? And that awareness will be aware of something. Sometimes it's not obvious what that is, and that's okay. But sometimes it's very obvious. Right now you may be aware of the sound of my voice, for instance. I'm going to name a few, a few things. You, know, you may be aware of the contact of your hips against the chair, cushion, or bench. You may be aware of seeing happening right now. You may be aware of the contact of your hands or your feet. You may be aware of the breath. And as I name each thing, you might have become aware of it. And so there is the awareness, that kind of capacity that we have to know, and that awareness can be aware of many, many different things. And so we explore, like right now, are you aware? Is there awareness? And what is that awareness aware of? Just relax and kind of step back, hearing perhaps or seeing. Step back and see what is here. Relax. You don't have to grab or reach out for uh, finding something to be aware of. But settle back and see what comes to you. Body sensation, seeing, maybe some kind of feeling. And that experience of what you're aware of will change very dynamically. You don't have to hold on to anything. The next thing will come in. And so it can kind of feel like almost just a flow of one thing after another 
coming in. Now a body sensation, now a sight, now a sound, now a thought, a feeling. Relax. Settle back and receive what is here. And if there's nothing obvious, then just recognizing, I know that I'm aware. Maybe not so clear on what awareness knows right now, but I know that I'm aware. There will be something at some point. There will be something, and it doesn't take very long usually, for there to be something obvious that, that, that kicks in. Some body sensation becomes strong. A sound, a sudden sound happens. Or some movement in the visual field happens and the attention uh, takes that in. <clears throat> so the distinction here, what we're exploring, is uh, connecting to that experience of being aware and curiosity about what that awareness is already knowing without choosing what to pay attention to. Without our consciously choosing what to pay attention to. And so that's a little bit about the mindfulness side of it. So we start with relaxation. That relaxation supports the mindfulness supports that capacity, that very natural capacity to know that we know. And then some curiosity about what is that awareness knowing without choosing what to be aware of? What is the mind already aware of? So there's the mindfulness and what mindfulness is aware of. And then another piece of a, of a tool or, or a support with this practice is how we explore making effort <clears throat> in our um, kind of more directed mindfulness practices where we're choosing an object, choosing a breath, for example, or choosing um, body sensation as a field. Um, we may be directing the attention to that experience and the effort is to stay connected with that experience. You know, we, we try to connect with, oh, the in-breath, the out-breath, the in-breath. And so we're, in a way, we're using the object of the experience to help us make the effort to stay mindful. In this practice, we don't have that kind of continuous object to connect to. And so we explore effort in a slightly different way. And I'm going to just ask you a couple questions right now. So right now, can you feel the sensations of your hands? How about the contact of your feet on the ground? Wherever they are, however they are. How about a breath? How hard is it when I name each thing to know that experience 
in a moment. Often when I name an experience, maybe maybe um, a more subtle one, like the sensations of your lips touching each other. When I name that, does the experience kind of just come in? It's not actually so hard to know something, to be aware for a split second, for a moment. What is more challenging is to maintain a little bit more continuity of that experience. For a moment we can know something. Oh, this is what's happening right now. A breath is happening right now. Contact of the hands is happening right now. Hearing or seeing is happening right now. For a moment it's not so hard. That kind of lightness of how, of, of, of kind of the ease of in a moment, oh yeah, it's not hard for a split second to know that I'm aware. The way that the effort works in this practice is really um, uh, just for a moment connecting with something, just the lightest touch, the lightest touch of connecting with some experience and then doing it again. Another light touch. It's like letting go of the, mo- of the moments in the past, letting go of the moments to come. And just this moment, just enough effort to be with this, whatever it is. And then the next moment, just enough effort to be with that. A gentle persistence. Connect in this moment. Let it go. Next moment, light touch, light touch, light touch, moment after moment. And we will forget. When we remember that remembering in that moment, there is already awareness. It's our, that light touch of connecting. When we remember, we are already aware. It's like, okay, well, what's here? And how about the next moment? Just the lightest touch. Persistence, gentle persistence, patience, knowing that it's going to get lost at times, but it will come back. Just a gentle persistence. Oh, this light touch, this moment, and this moment, and this moment. At the beginning, that gentle persistence needs a kind of a, a kind of a little uh, encouragement, a little bit of a connecting with. Oh, how about now? Aware of what? How about now? Are you aware of what? So at the beginning, there needs to be a little bit of a, a kind of soft persistence encouraging that mindfulness. But over time, there's, it's like the, there's a momentum of mindfulness that starts to build up. And you don't need to continually remind yourself over time. And so at the beginning, we need to kind of very gently remind ourselves moment after moment. And then get familiar with what does it feel like for the mindfulness to be a little bit more stable. 
What does that feel like for the mindfulness to be here? And, and there may be a sense of being able to kind of ride that wave of, oh, this is mindfulness now. Aware now. <coughs> There's an analogy that I, I often use here that can help understand what this is, is like and the kind of the effort that we need to make. Um, the, the, the little scooters that kids ride, not the motorized ones, but the, you know, the, the little kick scooters where you put your one foot on a platform and you put your foot down and kick on the ground to get the momentum going. Um, you, you, when you start that from a standstill, you're holding on to the, to the um, handlebars and your foot's on the platform. And when you start from a standstill, you need to put your foot down and tap the ground multiple times. You, you, it's, it's, it's helpful to just tap gently. You can tap gently, but you tap persistently and there'll be a momentum that develops. You might start by putting your foot down on the ground and trying to push really hard so you get a lot of momentum at the beginning. But that momentum's going to be pretty wobbly. It may send you throwing off and you're not able to stay balanced. And so the gentle taps lets you both get the momentum going and stay balanced. The kind of way we make the effort here is a kind of a gentle reminder. Oh, am I aware now in this moment? How about now? How about now? It's like that gentle tapping on the ground that lets you gain a momentum but stay balanced. So the, but as you go on the scooter, after a little while, um, you've got some momentum and it doesn't help to keep putting your foot down on the ground and tapping. It's actually, it's actually more, uh, the momentum, you can ride the momentum of the scooter by, by picking your foot up and just riding that. You get familiar with that feeling of balance and movement. You know that. And then you begin to get familiar with what it's like for that scooter to get wobbly and know you need to put your foot down again and tap and tap and then you can ride again. So similarly with the, the mindfulness, you, we, we begin with this kind of gentle persistence that allows us to cultivate a kind of a, a momentum that's balanced with the mindfulness. And then we get a little bit familiar with what it's like to ride that mindfulness, what it's like to have that momentum of mindfulness. And we also begin to get familiar with what it's like for that mindfulness to get wobbly, where the mind is starting to kind of drift out, where the, the attention is no longer so present or clear. And then kind of a reconnection. Oh, awareness. <clears throat> and what's, what am I aware of? So mindfulness, joined with the gentle persistence, creates a little bit of continuity of that mindfulness, which is what concentration is in this practice. The momentum of mindfulness, the continuity of mindfulness, this is how concentration is experienced in this practice. Concentration... Sometimes we think of concentration as being settled, stable on one particular experience like the breath. Focused. Aimed at something. These are words that sometimes we use with concentration. Kind of even just in our 
normal uh, kind of conversations about, you know, it's like I was really concentrated. I, I was only aware of that thing. I wasn't aware of other things. In this practice, the word concentration has a kind of a different definition. We could say it's more like non-distracted or um, stability of mindfulness, not um, collected in terms of the ability to be present, but not collected on a particular experience. So the concentration may feel more like a stability of being aware and not being pulled out into thought about what we're aware of, not getting lost. But many things coming through. And so it it might be in this moment, uh, uh, a body sensation, a sound, um, another body sensation, a thought, an emotion, just this kind of flow of sensations and feelings and mental experience, body and mind, this flow of body and mind experience, but staying present with it, not being reactive to it, not getting pulled out thinking about it or worrying about it or confused about it, but just like, oh, this is what's happening. This kind of concentration feels different perhaps than other f- than than that kind of more one pointed kind of concentration but this is a form of concentration in the buddhist texts it's referred to as moment to moment concentration this ability to be here aware in the moment <clears throat> so it's a kind of a stability of mind on experience And there will be times when the mind wanders. The mind gets pulled out into thought. This is going to happen. It can feel in this practice like, uh, if you're not familiar with this practice, sometimes the very kind of um, changing nature of the experience that, that the mind is not stopped with one thing, not settled on one particular experience. Sometimes the very nature of how this practice is is taught, that there's now this and this and this, that we're aware of the changing experience, sound and body sensation and sight and feeling and emotion. Sometimes it can feel like that the mind is wandering there because it's not on one thing. So the, the, the wandering mind in this practice, we, we will talk about the wandering mind as being when we are not mindful. If we are mindful of a changing array of experience, that is not the wandering mind. That is, there is awareness there. And so when we lose that awareness, when the mind goes off into thought and we are unaware of the experience of the present moment, that's the wandering mind. We're lost in thought. And in, the, in a moment, the mindfulness will return. There will be the, the return of awareness at some point. Because mindfulness is a natural human capacity and because it serves us as human beings, it comes back. We don't, we don't make it come back. It just happens. And the recognition of that 
is a support for our practice, that moment of mindfulness returning. And so the, the wandering mind, when we're lost in thought, there will be this moment that mindfulness returns. And that moment is actually a really important moment to cultivate the awareness of that experience. What does it feel like for mindfulness to come back? That moment when mindfulness comes back is one of the best moments to begin to get familiar with what it feels like to be mindful. Because there's a moment, there's the distinction between what it was like a moment before when mindfulness was not here and now mindfulness is back. And so it's like, maybe it feels like the, the light has come on or there's just a brightening <coughs> of, the, of the experience. And there's an awareness of what's happening. And so that moment when mindfulness returns is a great moment, first of all, to just recognize, oh, this is awareness. It's like no judgment, no need to judge yourself for the fact that it got lost. It will get lost. But curiosity in that moment about what is that awareness? What is that experience of the mindfulness returning? Every time the mind wanders, that opportunity of getting familiar with mindfulness will be there when mindfulness returns. And so if that happens a hundred times during a sitting, that's a hundred opportunities to get familiar with that experience of mindfulness re-arising. It's a very powerful uh, practice to just simply connect with that moment and get curious about, oh, that, mindfulness is back. In that moment, it's also useful then to check in with, well, what is here? What is mindfulness knowing? It may be the thought is still lingering. It may be there's a kind of um, emotional tone in the mind that's connected with what the mind was thinking about a moment ago. There's an effect that the wandering mind that the thoughts that we have have on our system. And it's really important to, uh, to acknowledge that when we return from being lost in thought. It's like the, the being lost in thought has constructed something in our hearts and minds. Thoughts are really powerful. And so if we um, kind of try to skip over the effect that that thinking has had on us and just try to connect with, okay, well, let me just like come back to the breath. My mind was wandering. Let me connect with something. If we skip over the, the kind of tone in the heart and mind that has been affected by the thinking, then we can just get pulled back into the thinking. And so it's like acknowledging or recognizing, what is the effect? What is the effect that this thought has had on the system? Taking that in, it may be an emotional tone. There may be some physical stuff going on. There may be tension in the body. There also can be, uh, surprisingly sometimes, if the mind has just kind of wandered or drifted, it hasn't been thinking about an argument or a, a situation where there's a kind of emotional charge, but just kind of almost daydreaming. That's another form of the mind wandering. If there's been a kind of a daydreaming, then when the mindfulness returns, uh, sometimes there's a little more relaxation. There's more ease in the mind. There's a calmness in the mind and body. And so we can also tap into that. What has been the effect of that daydreaming? Oh, well, there's actually some ease and relaxation here. Maybe I can know what that's like. What is it like to have that kind of relaxation in the body? 
So after the mind has wandered, useful to check in, how has that affected the mind and body? And if there is tension, just begin with supporting the condition of relaxing the body, relaxing the mind again. Just take some time to do that until there's this kind of uh, settledness of relaxation that allows the mind to more naturally just be curious. What is the human experience that's happening right now? So this curiosity around what's happening in the moment. What is the human experience that's happening in the moment? This is a a huge part of what we practice. Just getting familiar with being aware. What's this? What's this? What's this? And familiarizing ourselves with the experience of mindfulness. And then there's also um, in this practice, the kind of the next piece that helps us to kind of uncover things that are hidden, uncover views, ideas, opinions, attitudes of mind that are kind of hiding, is to, to kind of check in, well, what's my relationship to what's happening? How am I with what's happening? If we don't consciously ask this question, the how am I with what's happening may actually be kind of, running the show or guiding the way in which we pay attention. If we are noticing, for instance, a, fr- a, 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 a painful sensation in our body, we may be knowing the sensation. Maybe that's an obvious experience, the pain in the knee, and we're knowing that. But we may not be aware quite as consciously of how much we are frustrated by having that pain, that there's a kind of an aversion to that pain. And so there is what is happening and then there's how we are in relationship to it. If we're frustrated by the pain and we're not knowing that frustration, then the very way in which we're paying attention is often kind of filtered through that frustration and maybe actually encouraging that frustration. When it's not seen, when these attitudes are not seen, they are often informing how we are paying attention. And so uh, it's useful to, at times, to check in. Well, what's happening? And how am I in relationship to that? Some different words to explore that. How am I with what's happening? What's the relationship to what's happening? What's the attitude in the mind about what's happening? There's a lot to say about this part and I'll talk more about it as the day goes on. I just wanted to just give a little bit of a a drop in there of this part because it is an important part and becomes um, much more um, uh, where some of the learning happens because so much of the ways in which we Um, navigate the world when I talked earlier about the the responses to the world. So much of the ways we respond and react to the world are found in this area of how we are in relationship. And so beginning to be able to notice that in simple ways at first around our own direct experience and then in bigger ways as we go to things happening in the world, larger uh, um, reactivities to 
um, major situations happening in our lives. So, you know, early on it may just be a little kind of like, well, okay, well, there's a kind of a, a pain in the knee and I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with that. Noticing that frustration, it begins to give us some of the skills for recognizing how we are in relationship different forms of relationship. There can be forms of, of wanting something, of, of kind of a greed, of a, of a desire for something to happen, uh, a not wanting something, a, a pushing away, a, a kind of an, an aversion as another form of relationship. And then another one is a kind of confusion, kind of not knowing, a, 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 just uh, um, an unsettledness, perhaps, with what's happening, a confusion about what's happening. And then there's a relationship that we're headed towards, which is a relationship that is balanced. Okay with what's happening. Not uh, wanting something else to happen, not pushing, not pulling, but kind of balanced, at ease with what's happening. This is also an attitude that we can begin to touch in with. And, and maybe it's simply, okay, it feels okay. There's an okayness here. So um, let's stand for just a moment. We'll do a, a, a sitting here um, in a moment. But just to give your bodies a break. And the sitting will be a little on the short side. It'll be about 25 minutes. So I am going to go ahead and start the guided meditation. So those of you using the restroom, just come back in and uh, connect as we, as you come back in. So finding a posture that feels relatively comfortable, as comfortable as possible. And we'll begin exploring this relaxation. The softening of the body finding some ease physically as we can release tension in the body it creates 
a different avenue for the mind. And so we'll explore this softening, releasing tension kind of in a uh, systematic way. So beginning at the top of your head, seeing if there can be a softening, a releasing, a relaxing of the muscles at the top of the head and face. Relaxing the the muscles across the forehead, around the eyes, the mouth. Relaxing the neck and shoulders. Seeing if there can be a softening, uh, releasing of tension in the arms and hands. Allowing there to be a softening around the chest. All those muscles around the rib cage. Sometimes a deeper breath can support that relaxation. Now allowing the muscles to stretch on the in-breath and noticing how they can soften and release on the out-breath. Maybe another deeper breath. And letting the breathing return to normal. Allowing there to be a softening across the stomach and abdomen. The middle and lower back. Relaxing the hips. The pelvis. the legs the feet and then it can also be supportive to explore a relaxation, a softening more in the inside of the body interior relaxation, softening maybe 
There can be a softening inside the throat. Maybe the inside of the throat can relax. Maybe the heart, the area around the heart can relax. Maybe the stomach and the intestines can relax. And then maybe too the mind can relax a little bit. Mental tension is often felt by being pulled into thoughts of the past or the future or even thoughts of what's happening now. Can there be a relaxation of that mental tension? Sometimes a way in an analogy that can support this gill offers as if your brain were a muscle Maybe the brain can relax. With whatever relaxation is available in this moment, are you aware? Is there awareness? And again, you don't have to figure it out. Just, almost just taking in, yes, this is what it's like to be aware. And then what is obvious? What is awareness aware of? It might be body sensations. They're often obvious, especially early in a sitting. Pressure, vibration, heat or coolness. Maybe a hardness or softness a pulling, an ache, maybe a lightness. And maybe the experience of movement, as with the movement of the breath. There may be a broader sense of the body sitting a contact of your hips, contact of hands. There may be sounds or sight if your eyes are open that may be obvious. 
seeing if there can be a receptive quality. Sometimes body sensations may be most obvious and then it would shift to sound or sight. not needing to hold on to any experience. The curiosity is, is there awareness? And what is awareness receiving? This kind of flow of experience, physical sensations, sounds, sights. Maybe smells or tastes less often in this particular posture. And then there's also emotions, moods that may be happening, feelings, relax. What's obvious in this moment? Thoughts also may be flitting through. You don't have to resist them, just can you know? Oh, there's thinking too. And in this moment, a thought. In the next moment, a body sensation. In the next moment, an emotion or mood. Relax. Is there awareness? And what is obvious in this moment? How about now? Exploring the possibility of letting experience come to you in this more receptive mode rather than you needing to be the one to decide. More like you're almost a passenger rather than the driver of a car where you can relax and just take in the landscape that's going by. Not needing to focus The mind actually knows how to be aware already. We're exploring tapping into that very natural capacity with a curiosity of what's this human experience like? This human being sitting with these feelings, these sensations, these thoughts, these emotions. Are you aware? 
What is obvious? It may be something internal and inside of the body or may seem to be external. And the mind will wander. We'll get lost in thought. In that moment, taking in awareness is back. This is awareness. And what has What is here now? What has been the effect of the mind wandering or thinking? What has been the effect of that? Just kind of checking in. How has that thinking affected the heart, mind, and body? If there is tension that has crept in, It's fine to take the time to explore relaxing, softening, releasing the tension again. Are you aware? What is obvious? Not needing to look, but more just receiving. What's coming to you? Sometimes what's coming to us may be something very specific, a particular sensation, a particular sound or sight. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's more general or vague, more of a sense of something, maybe a, a sense of an emotion or mood. Or maybe it's not so clear. That's okay. You can even notice that. Oh, not sure. Aware. And not sure what's here. That's okay.
Are you aware? Is there awareness? What is obvious? How about now? What is obvious? Receiving. And what is your relationship to what's happening? Just every now and then it can be useful to check into that. Do you want something to happen? Want something to stop happening? Is there confusion? Can you just know that becoming aware of the relationship is the most important part Allowing that to be part of what we are aware of. Oh, this is happening and, oh, there's frustration. It is just another experience that we can be aware of. Notice how it affects you. How it affects the body. Sometimes the relationship might be, it's okay. How does that feel? That okayness. That can be subtle. Relax, softening the body and mind. Is there awareness? What is obvious? The very gentle persistence, gentle connection, aware of what? Aware of what?